On this episode, we talked to Ben Kintish. We sure did, Dr. Nick. He wrote the Life Review Hospice Musical. He is also a hospice chaplain and cantor. And it was quite a blast, wasn't it, Dr. Nick? Using humor to talk about death really makes me happy. Hardy har har. Let's talk about death, baby. Let's talk about grief and mourning. Is it argumental or existential? What's it mean to me? Let's talk about death. Hi, I'm Benny Capal, and I'm a funeral professional. And I'm Nicholas Capal, psychologist. Hey, Nick. Let's talk about death. Let's do it. Dr. Nick, we have an awesome show today. Yes, we do. Ben Kintish. Kintish or Kanish? Kanish? Kintish. Uh, Benny. Oh, Kintish. boy. Here we go. Kintish. Kintish, Kintish. right? Kintish. I said it right. I said Kintish. it right. There we go. He's, he's We're got Kintish. it. We're getting there. Yeah. And I remember a lot of silly 12-year-olds at summer camp enjoyed making jokes about on the same level as what you just did, so... Well, perfect. That's, That's exactly it. Just bringing history repeats itself, wow. right? That's what they say. Ben, let's talk about your musical. Let's rock and roll on that. Absolutely. Well, thanks guys for having me on. Um, I feel like this has been a a wonderful game of phone tag slash email tag that has gone on for longer than the listeners may realize. But I'm so glad to, well, you're to it. be chatting with you today. I'm it. Yes. I guess because I'm being taped today, you have won the game of tag. And thank you for. Playing with me? All right. We'll now return from the land of of playground metaphors um, to musical theater. Um, so my my name is Ben Kintish, and um, I'm so delighted to be sharing with your listeners a little bit about a musical I created called Life Review, the Hospice Musical. Um, it is inspired by uh, real-life experiences I went through as a beginner chaplain, so you actually fr- you actually took real life scenarios from the hospice chaplain and put them into a musical. Am I not mistaken? Right, that's the that's where you're. Yeah, that's you're- a, that's a basic idea. I like to say that um, all of the characters are inspired by real life people or composites of several real life people. So our main character, uh, it, the hero, so to speak, played by me. He looks a lot like me. He sounds a lot like me. Certain biographical details are different. Like I'm a cantor, a Jewish music minister. He's a rabbi. Um, He has two dead parents and grief looms large for him in his private secret life. Uh, And that becomes a a plot line in the the play, him dealing with his own grief. Um, In my life, thank God my parents are both alive and moderately well for old people, right? Um, In terms of the characters, though, they were absolutely inspired by real people. You know, when you train to be a chaplain, you got to go for literally hundreds of hours of work, uh, which includes lots of time bedside with patients and their loved ones. I love this work. And um, this is where I heard a lot of these stories that would eventually um, inspire this project. So I I was driving home, called my wife, told her, honey, these stories I'm hearing bedside, they are amazing and inspiring. I think they want to be songs. Opened up one of those old fashioned black and white composition journal books and started sketching notes for for the first song um, that uh, I created. It was called Will It Still Snow? Um, And it's a sad, powerful ballad about uh, a woman imagining life after her death, as in, will there still be beautiful winters after I go? 
tell me a little bit about your experience of being the hospice uh, chaplain as seeing this person go through the last of their days to actually doing the service. I believe only once did I officiate at the funeral of someone with whom I was involved in hospice care. Usually they kind of existed in separate silos. Um, That being said, though, I have officiated at a lot of funerals, and sometimes it is deeply emotional. And sometimes, as as you know, Mr. Funeral Director, it's it's sort of like you're showing up to do a job and you got to put on the fancy suit today because you're doing a funeral. Um, I have a suit that is literally my funeral suit. That sounds a little dark, but any other clergy people listening, they know the one, the one that's, you know, slightly wrinkle proof and, and, and it's a little bit warm in case it rains at the graveyard. Well, you know. obvious, obviously, you're going to pick your sexiest one for the <laughs> funeral, a uh, shiny suit. But here's the thing. I think you are well qualified, not only for the musical aspect of what you're doing, um, which I think is incredible to begin with, because you're talking about death, which is Dr. Nick and I's whole reason for having this. But yeah, you're man, actually qualified. You've seen... You've seen the five stages of grief. You've you've lived it. You've experienced it, and then Before you and after the went death, on to the funeral. Sure. So you actually. So when you're singing these, when you when you wrote these songs and you came up with these songs, there is. I know there will be the emotional side of that, which I think is going to be incredible to actually. Mm. You're not just. You're not. You're not one of those persons that is making up the story that you haven't lived it. You actually lived the experience of being a hospice chaplain. And basically, this uh, this musical is almost like your autobiography, really, if you think about it in the, in the stance of you being a chaplain and dealing with the the deceased and the families of the deceased. So, I, like I said, I applaud you. You are correct. You do not need to be a detective to figure <laughs> out that it is based upon my life. Um, but it's not me up there on the stage. Um, you know, even though it? that character is informed by some of my mannerisms, there are other things about him that are very much not me. Um, he's like super socially awkward and kind of can't get out a coherent sentence in the beginning. It's a little exaggerated. Um, so that we have some character growth from, uh, opening curtain to close. Um, but he becomes a lot more comfortable in his role. The biggest lesson that he has to learn actually is to pull back. Um, there's this concept in, in Judaism called simtum. Uh, when God created the world, it is said, according to legend that God had to make God's self smaller to create space for the universe God was mm. creating. So when, uh, you know, Mr. Therapist and Mr. Funeral Director in both of your roles, um, you don't want to be a loud, gaudy personality. You want to actually pull yourself back like four notches, if not eight, right. so that the other people have space to breathe into their grief. And that's what my character has to learn. Absolutely. I've always said that I I feel like what I do actually is planting the seed. I don't really actually tell people what to do. I just get them to go, hmm, that's interesting. Let me think about that, right? And I think that we all do that, right, as educators. It, it, It always is, it's more of a learned experience if the person comes to it from their point, right? So subjectively, we all try to educate people we try to help people right but the 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 reality is just like an alcoholic right they're not going to quit until they want to quit right that's the reality and it's the same thing with with grieving it's the same thing with depression anxiety it's when they want to move it's just helping them understand that they can 
right? Yes. There is tools to help them. Do you find, and in your experience being able to do this musical, do you find that this is a different and, a, and maybe a, a very profound way for people to grieve? And I just wonder in your experience with singing and vocalizing all these really tough emotions for people, do you think this is really like an awesome thing for people? If it's a yes, no, then yes, this is an awesome thing for people. Folks, you heard it from the Kapal brothers. Yes, Life Review, the hospice musical is awesome for people. I'm going to put that in large letters on the album as yet to be. The Kapal twins uh, give it two thumbs up. Right, it's the new, it's the new standard. It's the new gold standard. No, better than thumbs up. Awesome, I just like that one. Um, It has both. uh, How about how about sexy and liturgical meaning? How about sexy? Right, let's just make it sexy. Uh, We do have, you know, since you brought it up, we do have a couple of numbers that make you wanna shake your booty a little bit. There's one song in particular that I'm very fond of. I've been told is very funny. I actually have a question for you, Ben. So please, you, so I'm you, available. Ask a Ben. So you wrote, so you wrote that you wrote this musical, and then I wrote you, all the lyrics. To be clear, most okay. of the music was written by my two composers, S- uh, Jason Spiewak and Michael Miller. I wrote all of the songs. I wrote the script and came up with the whole project. I've been steering the ship. Okay, the ending of this character that you actually play. Yes. Do you feel like that was exactly what you had in mind, or do you find no, no, that- definitely not. Not, like every novelist or, or playwright, I think it's it's pretty unusual to have a fully formed project before you put pen to paper. I think, you know, and and when this began, it was more an amalgamation of songs than a linear beginning, middle, end story. Um, honestly, my first collaborator, Jason Spiewak, he was like, Ben, let's just do a, a concept album. That could be as few as eight songs because we could get eight songs done. Right. I was like, great. I'll write the lyrics. You write this stuff. And he's amazing, you know, professional composer. He'd, he's great. And one by one, we made some songs together. And I was like, I'm pretty sure this is going to be a musical. He's like, whatever. If you can make it a musical, go for it. Right. <laughs> but he knew to aim for a more attainable goal because a, a musical with two acts and 16 songs, that's, you know, it's a lot of material. Um, that's where we're at now is two acts of 16 songs. The the virtual version, that is the one that the public can contact me about and, and bring to their community, that's like a cabaret show. I call it a virtual cabaret. That is eight songs performed live by yours truly with digital piano tracks in the background and then a Q&A to follow. I'm delighted to bring this this work of musical theater to the world because you guys have been joking and and talking about getting the conversation going. So the opening number of the play is the concept. I got to give credit to Jason. He, He came up with the idea. I wrote the lyrics. Andy, who wrote the fabulous music, sort of vaudeville style, tweaked it a little. But like, the joke, the original joke is Jason's. And 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 it comes from this. We were sitting around talking about the musical and drinking. And he was like, you know, people are going to be nervous about this musical. We need to break the ice. I'm like, what, like a funny opening number? He's like, yeah, I don't know. And then he takes like a big swig. It's like, like, hey, guys, everyone's going to die. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of funny. And he's like, spoiler alert. And I like chimed in. Everyone dies in the end. And we laughed. And Andy ended up changing it to everybody dies in the end. But that's a spoiler, right? 
the big secret of the play is everybody dies in the end. <laughs> and it has two meanings, right? One is half the cast will be dead by the end because they're the patients in the hospice. But the meta meeting is that everyone in the room, cast, techs, and paying audience members, they're going to be die. dead in the end. Yep. Not at the end of this play, but in the end of their life. And it's it's one of those inescapable facts. The hero and the hero and villain of each shall tale, the sailor who battled a full force scale. Spoiler alert, do 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 everybody dies in the end. Sorry to ruin the play, my friend. Love them or hate them, this cannot bend. Everybody dies in the end. And it goes on and on. But like I've performed this live twice, and people laugh out loud so much for this song. It's very funny. Um, if I'm nervy enough to say <laughs> and it's important because we need to laugh about this fact so yeah. as to acknowledge the massive anxiety that we all share at different levels about our own mortality and yes watching a play where everyone's going to die in the end is going to bring up that anxiety in a lot of our viewers so we wanted to break that um, but it, it also is didactic it also teaches a lesson um to say, like, look, everyone, everyone you see here. And then there's a line later in the song, like, whether you're married or you got no ring. And, you know, your father, your mother, your husband or wife, everybody dies in the end. Right. And, you know, as you guys present as approximately my age, um, <laughs> I'm 22. I don't know about you. Holy just kidding. Crap. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. I'm 40, 41. So I have parents who are older than they used to be. And that means uh, yeah. I have to deal with their mortality. Um, and everyone who's 30 or 40, actually even school-age kids have to deal with aging parents. It's just more obvious when you're 30 or 40. It's so important that we bring humor into this because I think humor does so many healing things. I think it breaks the ice, A, track one. I think we could talk about things that are a lot harder for most people if we can make them laugh. Because, again, when we can make someone laugh, it's this idea the wall goes down. And then we can really explore how we're actually feeling. So I really appreciate you doing what you do because I think it's so important in the grief work is for us to use humor appropriately, if you will, and get people to start actually thinking and talking about death. You nailed it. Uh, Dr. Nick, I think it's I think it's time, is it not? Is it not time? It's time. Let's let's do some questions. Let's do it up. Let's do some Q&As. Q&A, Q&A. Everyone loves that Q&A. Q&As with the Q&As. Q&As. You got to get me that Q&A. Did you like that song there, Ben? Was that good? Did we harmonize enough for you? I enjoyed it. Um <laughs> just it ended so fast. Um, well, that's what she said. I yeah, know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, well, I wasn't. We weren't going to say that. I mean, some of the best songs are. But I knew you were all saying it in your brain, so I saved you the trouble. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, People are delighted when they find out that the uh, Jewish clergy person also knows his curse words by heart. Well, they've fathered at least one child, and I'll say no more about that. Okay, we we we, <laughs> we appreciate that, Ben. All right, so <laughs> we got a question here: sudden loss versus death by terminal illness. Is there a difference, Ben, in grieving a sudden death than watching someone gradually die of a terminal illness? Rock and roll, Ben. Oh my God! I thought we were cutting because it was Q and A, and it was just you. But I'm still here. You are Q and A'd. Uh, 
I'll Q and A. Are you not ready? Break up, break up, Are you not ready? Oh my god! And like, this, right. is, this is a real show, Ben. We actually talk to you, and you no, talk back. No, I mean, right? of course, it's a real show. You have a background. You have microphones. You know you everything that people can say on a podcast. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right, Ben. Answer that question for me. Am I? Do you feel like I'm pulling back the curtain if I keep narrating what I'm seeing You're to breaking, all the viewers? You've been breaking. Again, they're not viewers; they're listeners. Can you stop breaking the fourth, the the fourth, uh, <laughs> the fourth wall, please? Uh, sorry, we're talking theater terms now. You know, stage st- stage right here over here. So, I don't know if there's a fourth wall in podcasting. There's That's definitely... an interesting question. I'll have to email Mark Marin about well, that. Well, if see you what he think, thinks. if you can feel the spit, I think you're breaking the fourth wall. Is that not? Is that not That's what she said. Right. Okay. I will not do that anymore. (laughs) All right. Here's your, do you want me to reread the question? Are you okay? Please do. Okay. Terrible. Is there, is there a difference in grieving a sudden death than watching somebody gradually die from a terminal illness? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Great question. Um, My wife recently underwent uh, a tragedy in her life where one of her college friends uh, lost her husband to suicide. So that's a a pretty jarring example of sudden and shocking death. Um, I wasn't in my pastoral role. I was just trying to be a supportive husband, right? But when you have a, a shocking sudden death by car crash, suicide, murder, any other fast way, some kind of traumatic injury. Um, You have whole layers of shock that complicate all so-called typical grief processing, right? In the non-shocking death, whether it's a terminal illness or the so-called old, I don't even know if there's a quote regular death, but like think about a long-term illness, whether it's a hospitalization or even a home hospice experience, if you have a few months or more for your loved one to get ready to die and then die, you, the loved one, the plus one, the the spouse, the friend, the, the, the adult child, you have some time to get ready for what's coming. You see it approaching. Now, sometimes it comes faster or slower than anticipated. That's its own thing. But generally speaking, one of the things I love about hospice is it affords many people, not everyone, but many people, the opportunity to have some meaningful visit some times to be together. Um, But even in in a hospital situation, if you know someone is struggling with cancer or heart failure or you name it, if you're paying attention, you know they are not a spring chicken, you know they're not healthy, a death will be coming eventually. And once you see that coming, you as the loved one, you have a choice, right? You can visit them or not, you can call them or not, You can try to let go of old resentments or not. And I put these all out there as choices, right, Mr. Psychologist, because everyone has this opportunity to make choices that can ease the pain and suffering related to their own death or the death of their loved ones, or they can can make other choices, right? And and I, I, I... I yeah. hate to bring this up, but please, I think bring it up, baby. We're going to talk about guilt and shame, right? Because that, that's going to be associated a song about with guilt and shame. Me. Absolutely, right. The problem, the problem is, <laughs> is that due to COVID, some people can't get visited. I guess the 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 one thing I want to throw out to my listeners and and to anybody listening to this is that right now we are in a weird pandemic where we can't do certain things, and that's not your fault. 
Very good, Doctor. Thank, yes, th- thank you. Because yes, that is and, that is hundred. I'm going to yes and you. Ready? Yes and with the with the blessing of technologies, you can reach out to grandma, mom, dad, brother, sister, whoever it is who who is hard to visit because of the pandemic. You can text them. You can Facetime. You can Zoom. Blah blah blah. Call and visit while you can. Absolutely. I'm just saying. I'm just saying for the people Absolutely. that don't feel like that's enough. It's not. It's not your fault. Agreed. Oh. Agreed. In oh. fact, doctor, I um, I was a part-time chaplain working hospice with a wonderful organization called Jewish Social Services, uh, JISA, um, of Montgomery County, and they have a hospice service. So I was a cantor chaplain on staff, and I worked one day a week. And then when I saw this coming down the pike, and I was arriving at a senior facility greeted by people in hazmat, I was like, uh... I don't think chaplaincy is going to be looking the same anymore. And sure enough, the next week they weren't allowing chaplains hardly anywhere because we weren't considered essential. I'm not going to debate whether we were or weren't, but it was clear that it was shifting from the bedside visit to tech. And I, I chose to back away at that point. Absolutely, Ben. And Ben, I want to go back now. So you you clarified a lot with the gradual um, death of illness or terminal illness, but let's go Mm -hmm. back. Let's go back to sudden. How do you feel as a chaplain? When it comes to a sudden death in my school, I teach full time at a middle school. We had a we had a death by suicide last spring, and it was horrible. Um, it happened close to the school property. It wrecked a lot of other kids. Um, I wasn't again. I wasn't operating in a chaplaincy role, but I could see in both of those instances how a sudden um, death gives a very different grief experience. Again, because. All of the so-called normal grief experiences, the pain, the sadness, the regret, the bargaining, the guilt, so forth, those are all there, but you're also dealing with the shock and the horror of the event itself, the fact of the grisly death, you know. I mean, suicide has its own scariness, but even a car crash, we all drive, right? Or if not, we ride bicycles. Guess what? People get killed on bikes and in cars every day. So if it's someone you know who dies doing something that you do, all of a sudden you're like, oh, shoot. I mean, I've had some near misses snowboarding. Thank God the worst I had is a erect elbow. But we all know about Sonny Bono. A lot yeah, of people get killed yeah. skiing and snowboarding. So it's not to be like scared of living life. But when that shock happens to someone in your orbit, my, my understanding of it is it often like causes a jolt that's different from a, a gradual death. Yeah, and I'll agree with that, Ben. In fact, I would go like that shock actually delays grief, right? Because you absolutely, I would say that's the big difference that I find in my profession uh, between a terminal death. It seems like in a terminal situation where you have the time, let's say you know that it's, it's going to happen, mm-hmm. um, grief kind of starts right away. Whereas when, when you lose somebody to overdose, uh, suicide, uh, uh, just cancer at a young Our age, crash, or baby, yeah. uh, stillborn, et cetera, et cetera, you can't almost go through the grieving process because you're, you don't believe it's real. Like, it's still surreal, and you're in shock. Yep. So I, that, I would say, to me, that would be my professional uh, difference between terminal and... And Dr. Nick, what, how do you feel about both? scenarios scenarios it's it, there's so many dynamics right and, and that's the, the reality we're getting to is that families are so spread apart right now um with the advancement of technology 
it's hard because I, I think that a lot of families think that we have more time. We have more time with this person. We have more, even it, it, I'm going to go with the, the gradual death right now. Um, first it's, it's this reality of, okay, I can get there. I'll get there eventually. You know what I mean? But the unfortunate part is, is we don't know when our number is going to be taken. Even if we're, we have cancer and the doctor says you got three months. That does not mean three months from this day you're going to die, right? We all know this. But the problem is, I think, in our heads, because we avoid talking about death, we go, okay, I'm going to wait till the last possible minute to, to go visit. That might be too late. And that's the, the struggle with a lot of the that one. When it comes to sudden deaths, that's a really tough one because, A, we as individuals don't want to talk about our own death, right? We don't want to think about it. We don't want to, you know, I call it death anxiety in an existential lens. But the reality is, is that we don't want to deal with our own death. So to think about someone else dying that shouldn't have died. And I always tell this to parents. Parents should never have to deal with a child death. It is just not in our makeup. We weren't trained to deal with that. Even as a psychologist, if I lost one of my childs, I would be lost. So... Again, all I want to say to anybody listening to this, is there a difference? Absolutely. But the more important part is to talk about it. Yes. To go and reach out to the people that this is what we do for a living. Us three right in this room right now, we do this for a living. Reach out to people if you need help. We all as human beings, because we are not perfect, need help. It is okay. So that's all I got to say. Well, thanks, Dr. Nick. Well said, Doc. I, I would like to, first of all, thank you, Ben, for being on the show. I think it's amazing what you're doing. I think this this hospice musical, if, if anything, is going to really send out the let's talk about death. Like we're talking about death because you can't talk about death totally. without hospice experience. But it's I know it's going to be amazing. So before people see it on stage near them, what's the best way they can see what you're doing? The simplest way they can get in touch, uh, we have a website, lifereviewmusical.com. I'm delighted to share the the virtual cabaret. Uh, we're calling it Life Review Stories and Songs. Uh, and that comes from one of our lyrics, of course, but Stories and Songs is also a, a cabaret thing. So there's uh, a shortened version of the play, eight songs performed live with uh, recorded piano, and then a little bit of a Q&A with the creator. That is available anywhere there is an internet connection, and you can be in touch with me via the website lifereviewmusical.com. I'm on Instagram at lifereviewmusical. Um, I think I have a terrible Facebook page, and <laughs> I guess I'm supposed to do something about that. But I got all excited about Instagram, so <laughs> that's where I put my attention. I don't know. Well, thank you. Yet again, Ben, did you did you want to sing something? Did you want to do yeah, something? Yeah, I'd love to. Go ahead, um, rock and roll, and then we'll, we'll close up after you okay. get done with your song. Um, what do I feel like today? So the song I'm going to sing for you is called Send Me a Sign. It's the big I wish song of our main character, Rabbi David Goodman. And he's struggling early in the play with faith um, as he's reeling from his own private grief, having lost his parents in recent years and his own apparent uh, ineptitude at this big new job he's got. And he kind of looks up to the rafters and he says, God, if there's ever been a time I could use a hand, it's now. And he sings this song. God, can you hear me, even when I've nothing to say, when nothing is going my way, 
God, are you near me? Whenever I'm stuck in despair And all of the world is unfair Please God see me It's time for you To send me a sign Send me a sign Beautiful. Beautiful. Ben, that was awesome. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Ben, if you need some actors, singers, you know, you know, there's a small town in Ida, Michigan that has two of them. So, I mean, we're, we're punk rockers, but either way, you know, we're, we're open. You could, you can call our agent. Um, you know, we'll go from there. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because in the last reading, which actually happened right before the pandemic, in one of the response co- cards, they were like, we need more bearded twins from Michigan in the cast. <laughs> and I thought it was a little bit obscure. Right. right. Apparently, they were fans of your podcast who had right. already found out about the musical. I don't know where they found me because I yeah. did terrible publicity. For that. But they were there. Maybe they and, were looking up um, your name. They were looking at Ben. They just put Ben in, and then Ben Capal, sexiest man on earth, came up. And then maybe that's that's how you know. Yeah, touche. You well, know, you know I, sexiest I felt... Ben on earth. I've been runner up three times running. I've learned well, not to expect to win. <laughs> that, well, thank thank you, Ben, for that. I really do appreciate it. And uh, thank you for being on the show. I'm just going to let the audience know again, if you have any questions for us, we use your questions. You can get at us at letstalkaboutdeathpod at gmail.com. Please share us with your friends. Spread the word. Do a review if you have Apple. So please do that. Subscribe, like, thank, share, all that jazz. And uh, Dr. Nick. Because if you ain't talking about death, you ain't ain't living. living. Thanks, Ben. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks, Benny. Thanks, listeners. Peace.